you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of Romans with us today, Romans chapter 8. I heard about an elementary school teacher who was teaching a science lesson. They'd been covering magnetic fields and that kind of thing. And um, so she asked the class in terms of review, um, I would like for you to give me the word. It's six letters. It starts with the letter M. You use it to pick up things around the house. One student quickly said, mother, <laughs> wasn't the six-letter word that she was hoping for. It was magnet, but I think they're both true. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 today. Mothers, I, I want to announce some really good news for you today. We do have a gift for all of our ladies out at the back table, as Joe mentioned. Um, but this is a better gift. It's Romans 8. That's what I want to give you today. And it's a gift that keeps on giving because we're going to be in it for a few weeks. And I believe it's the best gift we could give you, not only you moms, but everyone who is in attendance today. Because there are two words found in Romans 8.1 that I want you to go home with today. And I want to soak down into your soul. And here they are, no condemnation. Can you say that with me? No condemnation. Because I don't know if you felt this way. I'm not a mom, as you know, but when Gordon was reading Proverbs 31 and when it was read in the earlier service, um, I just felt the weight of that. I'm like, that's a high standard. <laughs> Any of you moms feel like that? Um, when it was read, you're like, wow, good for her. <laughs> what about me? Uh, haven't been selling any property, haven't been getting up early in the morning. Maybe you have. Um, when you hear passages of Scripture like that, I wonder what goes on in your heart. Is it somewhat of a crushing, somewhat of a disappointment, some of what might be called not measuring up? I wish I was a Proverbs 31 mom, but I'm not. Well, I have good news for you today. Say the two words with me again. No condemnation. You know, all of Romans 7, as we looked at it together, there was a big emphasis on law. Law. The law came and I died. And Paul says the law came and I discovered sin in my heart that I didn't even know was there. But here we come to Romans 8 and we hear those wonderful words. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Can you say that with me? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. One more time. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For some of you as moms or maybe just as individuals, you start running through on days like today how your parenting's going. And this is good news for those of you that haven't been doing a good job. So I'm talking to you. Some of you that the shoulders were kind of drooped this morning. And as you think about mothering and you think about where some of your children are perhaps right now in their walk with the Lord or lack thereof, you find yourself blaming your own parenting or the negligence that you have begun to think that you have enacted toward your children. Or there could be a variety of other guilt motions that carried in this morning. And so I want to just allow this to soak in. I really do believe this is the best gift you could receive on Mother's Day. 
Say those two words with me again, no condemnation. This is an amazing moment in the book of Romans. And for those of you who haven't been with our study, I just want to remind you that this is like the Himalayas. This is like the Mount Everest of the book of Romans. And I'm, I'm not speaking in hyperbole. You look at commentaries and they all seem to say, this is the best chapter in the Bible. Now you say, I say that whenever I'm preaching on a chapter, right? This is my favorite. Um, but this is a high watermark in the Bible. Some have described it as if you looked at the Bible as a golden ring and then you looked at that little, uh, um, whatever you call the thing that holds the precious stones in the ring. I don't know what you call that scaffolding. But let's just say the scaffolding is the book of Romans. The diamond is Romans 8. Martin Luther said of this chapter, he said, it is the pinnacle of the book of Romans. He says, Romans 8 is the masterpiece of the entire New Testament. With that in mind, I want you to understand Romans 8 is an amazing chapter. 39 verses, it starts this way with no condemnation and it ends with this theme, no separation. So I want you to think about what's in the middle. So if you can start with no condemnation and then you end with no possibility of separation, what's in the middle of this sandwich? Well, in the middle of this sandwich is the two major reasons why we doubt our security in Christ. There are two major junk drawers that cause doubt, that cause lack of assurance in the Christian life, that cause you to wonder if you're truly saved and will you persevere to the end? And Paul hits them head on. He doesn't gaslight, he doesn't dodge, he just lays them right out there. And he says, here are the two reasons why Christians doubt their security in Christ. And I guarantee you that everybody in this room doubts their salvation for one of these two reasons or maybe both, and here they are. He's first of all going to say, why am I supposed to feel security in Christ if I still struggle with sin? We looked at that in Romans seven. Why do I still struggle with my flesh? Why do I still struggle with indwelling sin? And so the first 16 verses, he's going to say, instead of causing you to doubt your security, actually that should give you assurance that the spirit is indwelling you. And then the second half, is the second reason why we doubt our salvation, and it's suffering. I mean, after all, shouldn't we have more of an easy go of it now that we're in Christ? So he's going to hit these two, but before he does, he's going to start with, there's no condemnation, and you need to know that there's no condemnation even when you still struggle with your flesh. So mothers, particularly, when you still are not the Proverbs 31 woman, there's no condemnation. And then that other part, when you struggle, when you go through suffering, when you go through difficulty, here's the great word from the Spirit. There's no separation. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ. He gives 16 possibilities at the end. So with that in mind, I want us to just have this mega theme. You are completely secure in Jesus Christ. That's my gift to you this morning. It's not my gift. It's the Lord's gift to you. You are completely secure in Jesus Christ. Now, I do feel a little bit like Moses. You know, Moses approached that burning bush that wasn't burning. <laughs> I mean, it was burning, but it wasn't being destroyed. And he was told to take off his shoes, for this is holy ground. Romans 8 is that kind of passage. So as we look at it together today, I want us to, to be mindful that we're on holy ground. And the word that should scream at you at the beginning is Romans 8, verse 1. It says, there is therefore now no what? 
condemnation. Here's what that word means. It's a Greek word that means a guilty verdict followed by a sentence of punishment. So this is not only you're guilty, but here's your punishment. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is now there's no fear that you're ever going to have a guilty verdict ever again for all eternity. And that means there will never be any punishment for any wrongdoing either. Now, I would say that's pretty good news, isn't it? That's what he's saying. Now, some of you, as soon as I start going into passages like this, you start going, but, but, but what? But, but, but what? But, but. Are you saying, can we just let the Apostle Paul speak this morning? And, and I don't want to dilute this good news. And some of us, I understand, and we've been going through kind of an interlude. Chapter 6 is, how does a believer relate to sin? Chapter 7 is, how does a believer relate to the law? But now in chapter 8, he's just going to give you an open expression of this wonderful grace. You're standing in a new place. We live in a culture of rage, yes. Of shame, yes. Of guilt, yes. But God has placed believers who are in Jesus Christ in a new space. And it's a space that has this big banner over it. No condemnation. Drink it in. I want to give you three aspects of this quickly. First of all, the story of the good news. I've mentioned this ad nauseum, but the southern preachers from which I come always pointed this out. When you see there is therefore, you ask the question, why is it therefore? And what he's saying to you is this is a transition. This is a a new moment in the story. And we have this big story of the Bible, what we call the meta-narrative or the big story of the scriptures. But we also have the big story in one letter like Romans. And this story has been going and this story has been difficult. It started out in Romans 1.18. The wrath of God is revealed against all unrighteousness. That is not how you start a letter that you want people to read. And then he goes and he takes the category of the pagan that doesn't have any special revelation like the Bible or the gospel. And then he deals with the Jews and then he deals with the self-righteous and he says, all of you are guilty before God. And then in chapter four, he deals with justification by faith through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And chapter five is really where chapter eight connects to. So if you're wanting to know where the therefore is, what is the therefore? At the end of chapter five, how is it worded? Where sin abounded, grace what? Are you still with me? Sin abounded, grace superabounded, and now he's going to go right into chapter eight. We have an interlude. We have an interlude that deals with how the believer deals with sin, how the believer deals with the law, and now we're like connected. So you could literally take five and eight and put them right beside each other. I believe that's the therefore. He's saying, okay, grace, sin abounds, but grace superabounds. Therefore, there is no what? Condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to focus on the word now. Do you see the word now? Three-letter word? Everybody look at it. It's a big word. No, it's not. Now. Say it with me. Now. What does now mean? Well, now can mean a couple things. Does now mean like finally? It's finally here? Now can mean that. So, so now, finally. Or now can mean already now? Um, to illustrate that, my son, my youngest son's about to have a birthday. And this usually doesn't have him, but, but he's going to have a birthday gift that arrives at our home before his birthday. And we were in a discussion last night that the birthday present cannot be opened until the birthday. 
mean, some of you grandparents in the room know what this is like. You send a birthday present to your grandchildren, and you might even write on the box, do not open until your birthday. And what does that do? It tortures your grandchild. That's what it does. They're like, is it now? Is it now? Is it now? And then what do you do on their birthday? It's finally now. It's kind of like Christmas. It's finally now. So is that what he's saying when he says now? That we've been waiting for it and it's finally now? Or is it the now of already now? Well, I think it's both. Maybe we could change the illustration a little bit. Imagine that one of us, we know that we're going to be the inheritor of our parents' will and um, before they die, we don't inherit it, but let's imagine we get an envelope and inside that envelope is a check for $10,000 from a dad or mom who says, I know that you're going to inherit all of what I leave behind, but I, I want to give it to you now because you need it now. Which of the nows is it? Is it you've already got it and you're surprised that you've got it already or is it a now you've been waiting for? You probably know the answer. Yes. <laughs> I want you to see it in the text. Look at Romans 8, look at verse 3. He's going to use this, this now as you've been waiting for this. Look in verse 4. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh. I'm sorry, verse 3. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he what? Condemns sin in the flesh. Do you see it there? Some of you didn't see it. Look back at it, verse 3. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the what? In the flesh. So what he's saying is, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, the verdict of all those who are in Christ was fully fulfilled. The verdict of guilty and the punishment that was assigned was completely fulfilled in the death of Jesus Christ. What we see in Galatians is in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. So we could say it like this. Finally now, I can look back and on AD 33, when Jesus Christ was crucified on Golgotha, Brian Fuller got his verdict and his punishment because he's in Jesus. You see what he's saying here? So, so therefore, now there's no condemnation. Why? Because all of the verdict and the punishment was fulfilled in who? In Jesus. But also he means now. There, there's nobody because God has declared us justified, no condemnation, there's no one that can actually condemn us either. My conscience, Satan, other critics, Job's counselors, no one can condemn me because the verdict's already taken place and I get to enjoy it now. So look at this in verse 33. It's used the second way. Verse 33 of Romans 8, who shall bring any charge we sang that for a gathering song this morning. Any charge against God's elect, it is God who what? Who is he to what? Condemn. Do you see that here? So the story of the good news is that now, those who are in Christ are in this new space, this new location, because all of your punishment was forever settled in AD 33 when Jesus Christ died on the cross. And because of that, right now, it's not just that I won't face future judgment, that's assured, but right now, no one can lay any kind of charge against me. How many of you struggle with your conscience making charges against you? Okay, you won't raise your hand, I'm raising mine, I'll raise both, okay? Conscience is always saying, you didn't do good enough. 
Who will lay a charge against your account, moms? <laughs> Who's going to say you didn't measure up? It's Christ who died. It's Christ who justified. Is it your conscience? Is it critics? Is it that old accuser of the brethren, Satan? Can anybody put something on you that will stick? You know what the answer is? No. Now I want you to gulp this in this morning. I know it's just one verse, but if you slow down a little bit to just think about the implications of the Spirit of God, the only person who counts, the only being who counts, God himself saying, there's a group of people that have no condemnation. So that's the story of the good news. Presently, I'm living this already, but I've also had it all dealt with in the past. But what about future? Look at the next, the scope of the good news. He says, if you'll turn back to verse one, say it with me. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you see the word no? Say the word with me. No, this is even smaller, two letters. Now I mentioned to you before, one of the ways that the authors of the original languages would emphasize something is they would take a word and they would either place it in the front of the sentence or at the caboose. In this situation, he takes this word no, and it's an emphatic word no. It's not the simple word no, it's a really like no! <laughs> I mean, it's like if you could highlight something, you know when somebody's trying to emphasize something in an email and they use all caps, you know they're shouting at you behind their screen, right? This is the way they do it in the original languages. They take it and they move it to the front. So if you were looking at a literal translation, it's kind of clunky. It says, no, now, condemnation. I told you it was kind of a clunky structure. But the emphasis on no possibility. So he's saying that there's no possibility of a mistrial, that you're going to have to be trialed later down the road. There's no double jeopardy in this court. There's no possibility, not only is, has it been dealt with in the past, there's no possibility for 83 million years in the future for your sins to ever come up if you're in this category. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, what about all the reasons that you have in order to be condemned? I think if we're all honest this morning, we have a lot of reasons why we should be condemned, yes? Yes? Do we understand condemnation? I think sometimes we think of condemnation as, as, okay, I was just lucky I didn't get caught. There are a few moments in my teenage years where I would do something and I didn't get caught by my parents. And for years I thought, wow, I was lucky. They don't know about it. I'm going to tell you about one right now. I'm not sure my parents know about to this day. They will know after today um, because they watch the services on YouTube. But when I was a teenager, I remember one moment where I was supposed to go to a friend's youth group and instead of going to their youth group, we went to the movies. I don't think my parents here, I'm almost 49, still don't know that I did that. For years, I thought, now it wasn't because I didn't tell them or didn't think I should tell them. I just want you to be clear on that. I did get it right with the Lord later. But I, I, I thought I was lucky and I just didn't get caught. That, that's not what this means, no condemnation. It's not like, oh, I missed the judgment. Okay, glad I didn't get discovered. No. The Lord is holy. He will not allow any sin into his holy presence. No one's getting away with anything. God's wrath, according to 118, is revealed against all unrighteousness, but that is the glory of this. All the condemnation went into Jesus, so none of the condemnation will ever be yours. Many of you historians know about November 1945 to October 1946, about 11 months. 
It was the first of 13 trials in the Nuremberg, the infamous Nuremberg trials, Nuremberg trials in Germany. These were former members of the Nazis. They were before an international military tribunal. There were 22 men that were tried in this first trial. There were eight judges, two from the U.S., two from Britain, two from France, and two from the Soviet Union. The conclusion was riveting. Three men were acquitted. Charges are not true. They were called not guilty. Seven men had partial sentences, 10 years to life, but 12 men were found guilty. They were sentenced to be hung by execution. Now, I want you to understand the difference between being acquitted, not guilty, and condemned. Romans 6.23 says there are payments for sin. Here it is. The wages of sin is what? Death. The prophets say the soul that sins, it will what? Die. So all of us, because we're sinners, have a death sentence. And what this passage is saying is that is no longer part of your future because that condemnation has been removed. There, there's no possibility of condemnation anymore. So this assurance in Christ unbelievers judgment day is still before them but for believers the judgment day is behind so when he uses the word now he's saying in real time i stand no condemnation but no reminds me that there'll never be a future moment where i'll ever be condemned again i i knew when i approach a text like this that i can't do it justice but But believers, will you just ask God to allow this passage of no condemnation to just work down into your mind and your soul and your heart? Because this is the good news that Apostle Paul starts with in Romans 8 before he deals with the major reasons why Christians doubt their security in Christ. Believer, you couldn't be more secure. We see the story of the good news. We see the scope of the good news. It's absolute dismissal of all charges with extreme prejudice. Because Jesus has fully taken the condemnation, your case is closed. I don't know if you ever allow your mind just to wonder, what is it going to be like a million years after death? Two million years after death. I mean, then you start, start losing track of time. But just for a moment, let your mind go there and hear these words that there is no more condemnation. Finally, I want you to see the sphere of good news. If we stopped here, if there was period, point, paragraph, and there was not the second half of the verse, I would be preaching this morning universalism, which means everybody's going to be justified, no condemnation. That is not what the passage says, though. The passage says there's There's one specific group in a specific sphere that will not have any condemnation, right? What does it say? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Can you say the verse with me again? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So there is a sphere where there is protection from no condemnation, but there are those that are outside of Christ who will experience condemnation. Put it this way. There are those inside Christ and those outside of Christ. In this room, there are only two groups of people. We live in a world where everybody is involved in class warfare. We divide people up on skin color. We divide people up on classes and and finances and all kinds of stuff. But there are really only two classes of people, those who are in Jesus and those who are outside of Christ. 
the only two classes you'll see in the scriptures. You're either in Jesus or you're outside of Jesus. We could put it this way. There is truth, there's error, there is salvation, there's judgment, there's godliness, there's wickedness, there's heaven, and there's hell. So the question is, are you inside of Jesus? Are you in this fear that you can say with great assurance, there'll never be any condemnation? How would you know? Well, the scriptures tell us that there are groups of people, and one of our most famous verses that we quote is John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And you used to see, you don't see it much anymore, do you? Remember when they would have the blankets, the, the sheets, and they would have John 3.16 in between the goalpost when you were watching a football game? I don't see many of those anymore. Uh, but anyway, uh, John 3.16 is often quoted, but, but later he says, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. If you believe in him, you're not condemned. But he says, if you do not believe, you're condemned already. And the wrath of God hovers over you. So what he's saying is there's a class of people that are protected from no condemnation, but there's another sphere of people that have condemnation coming. How would you know which one you're in? Well, maybe just by way of illustration, I want us to see that the ark, for instance, when Noah was told to take his family in the ark, and we're told in Peter that he was a preacher of righteousness, so evidently he went around preaching, there's going to be rain. They'd never seen rain for a thousand, over a thousand years. Don't know what you're talking about. Don't know what that big thing is in the back of your, back of your house, the backyard, but, but he says rain's coming. God's going to judge this world, and he preached, we're told. Of course, at the end of the day, he only had his family. God shut the door, and we're told that it began to rain. The the openings of the earth, water came forth, the, what I believe was the expanse or the firmament unleashed, and there was an amazing 40 days of rain that covered globally the entire planet. But there were those that didn't make it into the ark, and there were those that did. Noah and his family, the only ones in the ark, they found grace in the sight of God. They are protected from the judgment, but everyone who's outside of the ark, what happened? They were part of those outside of the ark, and they experienced all of the condemnation. So when we think of this, I hope that we're able to see, okay, that means that if we're in Christ, no condemnation. Maybe another illustration is when the children of Israel in the 10th plague in Exodus were told to put what on the doorpost? Blood, the Passover, and if the angel of death came by that night, and you had the blood applied, your oldest did not what? Your oldest son didn't die. It was all something that was provided for them. And God in his sovereign grace had protected them. But I want to ask now believers this question. Do you think, I'm very suspicious that there were some moments in those days, almost a year, that Noah and his family were on the ark, that they woke up irritable, they were a little cranky, the elephants weren't behaving. I mean, I don't know what was going on in the ark. But they weren't walking in perfection in that ark. The reason why they were saved is not because they kept the law perfectly while they were in the ark. They were saved because God rescued them from condemnation. 
And I also am suspicious that in some of those homes in Egypt where they placed the blood on the doorpost, that some of their teens were being disrespectful to their parents that night. I just am suspicious it was happening. You're not. Normal people. Husband and wife had a tiff. Lamb wasn't cooked well enough. I don't know. The reason why the death angel passed over them is because of the blood. Not because they were perfect in their home. And the same thing is here. This good news is not because we worked this up. It's because we have been placed in a new location, away from the rage, away from the hate, away from the guilt, away from the shame, away from the condemnation. And that place is in Jesus. How do you get yourself from being outside of Jesus to inside of Jesus? I'm glad you asked. John 3.16 says you need to believe in him. What does that mean? It means that you trust that what Jesus did on the cross, he was taking all your condemnation. And that by his resurrection, God the Father gave the grand exclamation point that it is acceptable. This sacrifice is one and done. If you will believe and trust in Christ, you will be placed in Christ. But again, I want to turn our attention back to believers because this is good news. The audience here is, there is therefore, say it with me, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The audience here primarily, exclusively really, is Christians. And so I want to ask you something. Do you enjoy the benefits of knowing that there's no possibility for you ever to have any condemnation. Do you realize there's no possibility for you to go in and out of being in Christ? I'll say it again. There's no possibility for you to go in and out of Jesus Christ. So when you sin as a believer... You've sinned this week. I'm sure of it. Some of you have sinned today. I'm sure of it. You did not step out of being in Christ at that moment. What Paul is saying here, and I want you to get a good gulp of it, that when a Christian sins, he's not removed from being in this no condemnation category. Now, I know some of you are going, but, but wait, but wait, are you saying, are you saying, no, I'm just saying, let's listen to the apostle say there's no condemnation. Certainly, there are moments like Romans 6, it says, shall we just sin because grace is going to keep getting higher when sin goes high? No, people that are dead to sin don't live in it any longer. Just enjoy the riches of this, there is no condemnation ever in your future. You can't jump in and out of this space. When you're in Christ, you're forever in his hand and no one can pluck him out. Pluck you out. I just want to finish with some applications. And, and again, I want to start with moms. Moms, you perhaps look at parenting, you look at some of you are past that stage. We would call you empty nesters now. They're no longer there in the home. And What do you do with, and here's some application. Martin Lloyd-Jones, um, he was a, a pastor who actually, some of you will take great comfort in this. He preached through the book of Romans for 13 years and didn't finish. 
So if you think we're going slow, we're actually flying through Romans compared to D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. But he said this about Romans 8.1, about these two words, no condemnation. Listen to this. Most of our troubles in our Christian life are due to our failure to realize the truth of no condemnation. I just wonder how your life would be different, how my life would be different this week if those words settled in and became part of your regular thinking that I'm in a space that I can never be removed from again, no condemnation. Here's a few thoughts. Those that forget about these two words, they live in guilt, unworthiness, and pain. There are Christians, this is their normal Christian life, walking around guilty. We become driven with a desire to prove ourselves to other people. We become addicted to people-pleasing. Some of you teenagers need to hear this, perhaps. Some of us adults need to hear this. We become like jellyfish rather than like dolphins who swim against the stream or the ocean tides. We, we find ourselves constantly measuring our, our condemnation or no condemnation based on our approval ratings. We become very sensitive to criticism. We become very defensive. We have a lack of confidence in our relationships. When you forget your no condemnation, we lose our boldness and joy in prayer and worship. We may display addictive behavior, which is reaction to deep sense of guilt and unworthiness. We have little motivation to live a holy life. We have very resources for self-control. We tend towards legalism, obeying out of obligation and duty rather than out of gratitude. This is just a few of the things that happen when believers go around forgetting that there's what? What are the two words? No condemnation. So here's our verse. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I hope this will be like a wonderful lozenger in you mother's mouths and all of us that will just continue to meditate on this wonderful freeing and it's in the context of how shall we live the Christian life? Live it with this wonderful banner flying over you. No condemnation. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we are thankful I'm thankful as a pastor right now that there's no condemnation because this sermon certainly didn't live up to what it should have been. I haven't explained this glorious text like I should have. I haven't served your people like I should have. But I praise you, O oh Lord, for these wonderful, freeing, gospel grace-giving words that there's no more condemnation ever for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, as we open up this chapter over the next few weeks, new few Sundays, we ask, Lord, that you would teach us that even in our struggle with indwelling sin or the life struggles and suffering that we experience, no condemnation and no separation will ever be part of those who are in Christ Jesus. May we drink deeply and be satisfied richly with these gospel deeps. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand and sing together.